Well, well, good morning, good morning. Welcome, welcome everybody to Unraveling the Words of Yahweh. My name is Kevin Eitner. So glad to have you tuning in this morning. Oh, mercy sakes. Hey, we are in this fantastic book, the book of Revelation, or, or, or as I like to call it, the Apocalypse of Yeshua Messiah. And uh, we're in this chapter, in this chapter six here. And there's no doubt about it that John is the writer of this fantastic book, this this apocalypse, uh, uh, the, the, this communicated message, uh, uh, the, the coming, the appearing, the manifestation, the uncovering, uh, the presentation of Yeshua Messiah in, in the in the person, in the flesh, and uh, this is what John's leading up to. He, he, he's given us, and, and we we know that. Well, we're pretty certain, I should say, that this was wrote somewhere uh, 95, 96, 97 A.D. But we're in this chapter 6. In our last uh, study, we went through the white horse, that first seal. Today, we're going to go look at the second seal. Now, keep in mind that as I go through these seals, I'm giving you some insights, some thoughts on what's happening today. And, and even yesterday, and what I mean by yesterday is back in the days of John. These seals may have been open for some time now, but they're still doing their work even today. They will continue. These seals will continue to work until the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords comes back to gather back his redeemed elect, folks that continue to go about and reach out to those souls which lie in darkness and boldly proclaim the gospel of his kingdom and exposing this new world order. Now, I need to ask you a very important question here. Is this prophecy that is being revealed to us in this book of Revelation? Is it worldwide? Now, I want you to think about this for a second. Is this worldwide, or does it pertain to the land of Israel only? Or does it pertain to the land of Israel, but have spreading prophetic events occurring throughout the world? See, this is what we have to focus on. When, when we read this, is this happening worldwide or is this going to take place right here in Israel and the effects will damper us worldwide it's pretty interesting thought and there, there's a lot of there's a lot of debate on this whether it's it's uh, these seals here you know uh, something to think and something to ponder about I, I like to have your intake on that what do you guys think uh, is this worldwide, or is this only happening in Israel, or is this happening in Israel, but but spreading prophetically worldwide? Once again, let me express that the church, the, or the or, or, or as I like to say, the ecclesia, is still on this earth. We are not. Let me repeat: we are not raptured away, as many churches teach. You see, John is taken up in heaven and was in the spirit giving details on what you and I can expect. So we're looking at this second seal here in this Revelation chapter 6, verse 3. And when he, this he is none other than the lamb, the lamb up there in verse 1. And I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals. Now, don't overlook this. John, at this point in history, he sees him as a lamb, that sacrificial lamb. And there's really good evidence that John may have been taken up in this vision. Because you see, Yeshua Messiah, he still is that lamb. In other words, he sacrificed himself that souls may be reached each and every day. You see, folks, there's a time coming that he'll no longer be that lamb, but he's going to be that roaring lion, and he comes back, and he defeats Satan and all that Luciferian dialectical system 
that new world order. So don't overlook what, what we read here. And we had opened the second seal. I heard the second beast say, come and see. This living creature, the second beast, was the ox who was positioned on the west side of the throne and is the standard of Ephraim. By the way, in Numbers chapter 2, verse 18, we read that Ephraim was on the west side of the camp of Israel. Also note there's no mention of the noise of thunder as before. The voice of the ox being lower than that of the lion. Now, I just want to throw a little, little side note out there. Ephraim. When you go into biblical history, there's really, really, really great evidence that Ephraim is the United States. Manasseh and, Manasseh and Ephraim, remember they were the sons of Joseph? If when you when you when you read Revelation, you'll find out Dan's not in there and the Levites aren't in, but but Manasseh and Ephraim. Many biblical scholars seem to think that uh, Manasseh it, it went up into Great Britain and, and and Ephraim settled over here in the United States of America. Just thought I'd thought throw that out there. But let's see what he opens up. This is what he sees here in verse four. He goes here. Come and see. I want you to take notice. And there went out. Let me let me read the verse, and we're going to come back and analyze it. We're going to spend some time into this. And there went out another horse that was red. Power was given to him that sat there on to take peace from the earth, and that they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. Wow. Let's unravel this verse. Red, judgment, Satan. Judgment on true Christians. This is a war, folks. This is a spiritual war. Keep in mind that this is the color of Edom, which is Russia of the day, Rush. Red could also be connected with communism or socialism. Nations that embrace these are called red nations. Communist Soviets were commonly called Reds, while China is also known as Red China. Another thought on this red horse is the fact that it could be those of the Arab nations that come against Israel. Keep in mind that when the wars between the Arabs and the Christians took place, that the armies of the Arabs would take a cloth and dip it in the blood of the Christians, then would wear them as a token of victory. In fact, Masonic Shriners wear these even today on their hats known as Fez, F-E-Z. You see, folks, this is how corrupt the world has begun. Start, starting to see it all around us. There's no reason for Russia, China, and the Arab nations of today to fight against the land of Israel and those Christian nations. But they do. They hate us. China controls a, a majority. Uh, look, look, look on your products made in China. China has bought, bought our debt. Our national debt. China, they own some of the, the majority of our, our turnpikes. The influential in China is so great. China, thanks to, thanks to that lunatic uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, now has the Panama Canal. Carter felt so bad about it, now he's starting to do a bunch of humanity stuff. Southern Baptist, Masonic. You see, folks, we're already within these seals. And you got these bumbling lunatic churches out there. Oh, dear brother and sister, Jesus loves you. And you're not going to go through this because in, uh, chapter 4, the church is not mentioned after chapter 4. Therefore, chapter 4, dear brothers, oh, praise God, hallelujah, the church is raptured out. Hogwash, they are lying to you. They are, that church, let me tell you something, folks. That church that teaches the rapture doctrine they're part of the white 
horse. Listen to me. If your church isn't teaching you chapter by chapter, verse by verse, getting into the depth, saving souls, your church is part of the white horse. Now, keep in mind that Esau, Red, married into the tribe of Ishmael, who, by the way, is the father of the Arab tribes. You can read that there in Genesis chapter 28. Verses 6 through 9. Uh, Genesis 36, uh, verses 1 through 4, 10, 13, 17. When you read them verses, well, you know what? Let, let me turn there. Because th th this is this is important. Because I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a, a, a pagan god that was very prominent in these days. Now, these are the generations of Esau. Who is Edom? All right. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan. Don't overlook Canaan. Those giants. All the way back there in Genesis. Uh, 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 chapter 6. Folks, this is a reality. They, they, they married unto, unto Ishmael. Folks, they're tied up with the Arabs. They're tied up with these, these the, the, the offspring of the giants. Once again, this is the area of the giants, the offspring of the fallen angels, and the daughters of Et Hahadam. You know, I, I talk about this red horse and, and, and Russia, China, and the Arab nations. Uh, here's a news article just posted, I believe, yesterday. Massive implications, Saudi Arabia in discussion to join BRICS coalition. The outcome will be a global energy and economic cleaving. Now, I'm not going to read with you the whole article. But I want to tell you who the BRICS are. The BRICS consist of Brazil, Russia, India, and China. We see Saudi Arabia. And, and this article here, as NATO grows, China and Russia seek to bring in Iran, Saudi Arabia, into fold one export so the bigger BRICS block could, in theory, facilitate economic linkages and step into the gap the United States institutions are not filling due to sanctions. Here's the money quote. China's invitation to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia to join BRICS confirms that the Kingdom has a major role in building the new world and becoming an important and essential player in global trade and economics. Mohammed Al-Hamin, the president of the Saudi elite group, told Newsweek. Saudi Arabia's Vision 2030 is moving forward at, at, at a confident global pace in all fields and sectors. This is part of the red horse. The ascension, if Saudi joins, it will balance the world economic system, especially since the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is the largest exporter of oil in the world and in its G20, Hamid said. If this happens, this will support any economic movement and development in the world trade and economy economy and record remarkable progress in a social and economic aspects as Saudi Arabia should have partnership with every country in the world. They're teaming up. They hate Christians, folks. Bottom line, they hate Christians. Anything that has to do with Yeshua Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Lord, they hate. 
Take notice, this red horse, it, 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 it was given power. Now, if this red horse, by the way, some of the manuscripts here uses the word it. Some of the manuscripts do read, and it was given to him that sat there on, given it, well, power. Now, if this red horse is symbolic of Esau, can you tell me where it gets his power from? That's right. Esau, Satan, Lucifer, Apollyon, those evil spirits. Take notice. To take peace away. Not only world peace, but also that peace that was given us from Yeshua Messiah. As Paul writes in Romans 5, 1, so forth. Job, Psalms 85, 126, Isaiah, chapter 27, 32, 54. Zechariah, chapter 6, Luke, chapter 2, in so many places. From. Now take notice here. Therefore to take peace, ek, out from, out from the earth. That they should kill. Now, the, the, the Greek is indicted in future, that they may, as they also shall, kill one another. Not only in the flesh, but also spiritually. One another. This prophecy said that, that those controlled by this red spirit will kill, kill one another. It's been estimated that 80 million plus Chinese have been killed in political purges in China since the communists took over in 1948. Hey, by the else, by uh, uh, also, what else took place in 1948? Israel becoming a nation, the parable of the fig tree. You know, we we read there in the Gospel of Mark, Yeshua Messiah is speaking. Let me turn there, Mark chapter 13. I want to pick it up, verses nine through 12. Listen to what he says here. But take heed for yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to the councils and the synagogues, the synagogue of Satan. You shall be beaten. You shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, because we go out and proclaim the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, never stopping. For a testimony against them. You understand that? We're exposing them. They're mad. They don't like us. And the gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they shall lead you and deliver you up, take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. Neither do you premeditate. Don't, don't think on it. But whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, in that hour that you and I, are led up to these synagogue of Satanists. That ye that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. See, folks, the Holy Spirit walks with us daily. Now the brother shall betray his brother to death. The father, the son, the children shall rise up against their parents. Don't we see this happening even in America today, across this nation? Heck, even across this world. And shall cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is what it's all about, folks. This red horse. But see, we're sealed. We're sealed as we read there in the Gospel of John. And we'll read about this sealing later on there in Revelation, I believe, chapter 14. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit, folks. But notice the great sword. The great sword was given unto him. What greater military might exist in the world today than the combined power of Russia and China? 
Is there a nation that would like to go to war against these two giants? The red spirit which takes peace from the earth is communism. If this second seal relates to the whole earth and not merely to the land, seems to be determined by our Lord's reference to the subject of the second seal. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 6 and 7, And ye shall hear wars and rumors of wars. Nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. These words, along with the second seal, point to the general breakup of the nations in the process of their absorption in the Antichrist universal kingdom. In Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 21, it is written, I will call for a sword against him through, throughout all my mountains, saith Yahweh Adonai. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. Jeremiah chapter 25 tells of the, the second seal when Yahweh has controversy with the nations. If I, if I were to go, well, I'm going to go there. There, there's so much in, in all this. All this connects together, folks. This is what makes the word so beautiful. By the witness of the witness, two or more. And we see it as we understand the Old Testament. This is why I'll, you, you'll hear me make comments about, in order to understand the New Testament, you should understand the Old Testament. I'm going to pick it up here, Jeremiah chapter 25. Pick it up, verse 15. And for thus saith Adonai Yahweh of Israel unto me, Take the wine cup, there's that wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. And they shall drink, and be moved, and be mad. Because of the sword that I will send among them. There's that sword. Then I took the cup of Yahweh's hand and made all the nations to drink with whom Yahweh had sent me. To wit, Jerusalem. We'll find out here in this book of Revelation later on that its nickname is Babylon. And the cities of Judah and the kings thereof and the princes thereof to make, to make them a desolation, an astonishment, a hissing, and a curse, as it is this day. Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Egypt is always symbolic of bondage. And his servants, and his princes, and all his people. And all that mingled people. The mingled. And all the kings of the land of Uz. The kings of the land of the Philistines. The Ashkelon. The Azza. The Ekron. The remnant of Ashdod, Edom, Moab, I'm going to come back to Moab, and the children of Ammon, all the kings of Tyrus. Keep in mind that in Ezekiel chapter 28, pick it up there down at verse 11 and 12, the king of Tyrus, that's Satan's throne. All the kings of the isles which are beyond the sea, Dedan, Teman, Buzz, and all that are in the utmost corners. And all the kings of Arabia. Saudi Arabia. I just read you that article. And all the kings mingled that, that dwell in the desert. And all the kings of Zimri. And all the kings of Elam. And all the kings of the Medes. And all the kings of the north. Far and near. One with another. And all the kingdoms of the world. Which are upon the face of the earth. And the king of Shishak shall drink after them. Therefore thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Sabaoth, the Elohim of Israel, the creator of Israel, El is who rules. Drink ye, be drunken, and spew, and fall, and rise no more, because of the sword which I will send among you. These All, all these people hated Yahweh, hated the Messiah, just as the churches today, well, your brothers, you, you, you can't say the churches, yeah, 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 I can. Because they're not preaching the gospel. Especially those, those, those churches that have infiltrated the Masonic lodges, that they got those Masonic leaders standing in the pulpits. They got the LBKQQGTs or whatever you want to call them, standing in the pulpits. Those churches that signing up with the, the Zionists. 
that want to help establish the third temple to bring in the Antichrist. We don't, hey folks, listen to me. We don't need a third temple. We've got a temple. He is our tabernacle. I don't need an animal sacrifice to be saved. I got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who came down at Calvary, walked this earth, was resurrected, defeated death. Why do I got to continue animal sacrifices? Verse 28 here in Jeremiah 25. And it shall be if they refuse to take the cup of thy hand to drink, then thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh Sabbath, You shall certainly drink. It's coming. For lo, I, I begin to bring evil on the city which is called by my name. And should you utterly go unpunished, I'm coming. This is my Jerusalem. My city. I established it. I will take it down. For I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the, of the earth, saith Yahweh Sabbath. Therefore prophesy thou against them all these words and say unto them, Yahweh shall roar from on high, utter his voice from the holy habitation. He shall mightily roar upon his habitation. He shall give a, a, a shout as they that tread the grapes against the inhabitants of the earth. The enemies of Yeshua Messiah, of Yahweh. Trying to establish. Hey, you, you know what the world's religion is today? A majority of the world's religion? Money. Think about it. That, that's to, in today's world, in today's society, their religion is money. Who can make the most money? The sad part about it is they do it in a corrupt way. Look at all the billionaires that were established during COVID. Look at look at our, our president's budget. Money. A noise. There's that noise. The thunder. The noise shall come even to the ends of the earth. For Yahweh hath a controversy with the nations. He will plead with all flesh. He will give them that are wicked to the sword, saith Yahweh. Thus saith Yahweh Sabbath. Behold. Evil shall go forth from nation to nation. A great whirlwind shall be raised up from the coast of the earth. I gotta stop now. You, you, you remember when when Son Bush, when he gave his speech, he talked about the whirlwind. He, hey folks, I'm, I'm telling you now, he wasn't talking about Yahweh's whirlwind. He was talking about that evil, that Luciferian whirlwind. Man, these guys are corrupt. They're not your friends. Uh, 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 bushes, they're skull and bones. Yale University. And the slain of Yahweh shall be that day from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be laminated, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be as dung upon the ground. You understand that? He's mad. He's mad. And, and what really irritates the Lord more than anything is the fact that these milk-sucking bottled Christians sitting on the pews on their hands not making a change, not making a difference. Once again, I look at our politicians. They all claim to be Christians. Well, something's not right. How in the world can you take that bumbling Joe Biden, his girlfriend Nancy Pelosi, and, and the mother lunatics there in the White House? They claim, and, and look, not, not, nothing against the people of the Catholic Church. I've got many good friends. But how can these two idiots be so liberal and claim to be Christians? Well, that's very simple. The Catholic Church system, not so much the people, but its leaders, they're all part of this to destroy. Do you understand that in the catechisms of the Catholic Church, if you look under, I should have brought the book with me, under salvation, do you know that it, it was funny, a friend of mine gave me the book. 
And I happened to pee pages. And I said, whoa, hey, 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 buddy. I said, have you ever read this salvation? It's saying in their catechisms that an Arab, a Muslim, through the Quran can be saved. Yeah. In the catechisms of the Roman Catholic Church, a Muslim through the Quran can be saved. The rider of the white horse. Once again, there in Jeremiah 29, I will call for a sword upon all the inhabitants of the earth, saith Yahweh Sabbath. For the Lord hath a controversy with the nations. He will give them that, that are wicked to the sword, saith Yahweh. Against Israel also comes a sword. I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. There in Leviticus chapter 26. Read, read there from 25 to 33. The sword is one of Yahweh's four sword judgment set upon the earth. As we read there in Ezekiel chapter 14. Verses 13 through 21. There was given unto me. Now, we must note well these significant words. They are spoken of the first rider on the white horse, similar of all the judgments. All are initiated from the throne. It will be again, as is another period of Israel's history in the days of Azza. In those days there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in. But great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries, and the nations were destroyed of nation, of city and city. For Eliahim did vex them with all adversity. We read that in Second Chronicles. Chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Another time is described by Josephus in, in his uh, book, uh, his great book, The Wars. No new thing is referred to in this second seal. The, the whole, whole uh, 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 prophet of Micah, chapter 7, should be read. It, it, it's too long to be quoted here. Allow me to quote Daniel chapter 11, verse 33, though. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. Yet they shall fall by the sword and by flame, by captivity and spoil many days. It may be well to add that up to the third century, this was not considered to have been fulfilled by historical events. As Origen says in his commentary on St. Uh, Matthew, there in chapter 24. So identifying the rider of the red horse is easy. There is nearly a universal agreement that the second of the four horsemen represent war. But just as we put a name to the entity on the white horse, we're going to put forward our best guess at the entity of the rider of number two. As John wrote in Revelation, in the age that had been dominated by people from the West for four centuries, first Greece, then Rome, until recently, Western scholars denied the influence of Mesopotamian thought, specifically that of the Semitic people on a Greco-Roman civilization, the attitude has changed over the last half century or so. Influential studies such as the East Face of Hillicom by Martin West help document the Eastern origins of Western civilization. So it's likely that this red horse is a war god. That's right. The war god you're now picturing is probably correct. Not by the name you imagine. A war god worshipped by pagan neighbors of ancient Israel. Remember I told you they hate Christianity. Has been a key player in a long supernatural drama that unfolded over the last 5,000 5, years. He embodies the destructive, uncontrolled martial aspects of Reshef also known as Apollo, but also Asherite, other words known as Ishtar. By the way, the reason why I bring this to you is because in the Christian world, they celebrate Easter. 
instead of Passover. Even, uh, what was it, 1838, 1828, Webster Dictionary. When you looked up the word Easter, it said it derived from Ishtar. You won't find this God referenced as often in scripture as Baal or Asherah, but his followers were a thorn in the side of Israel for thousands and thousands of years. This war God, and listen very carefully, we're trying to go back. I'm trying to give you some, some history now. Who this red horse may have been. This war God we're referring, referring to is Chemosh. The national God of Moab. Remember I told you, as I read you there, Jeremiah, those nations, Moab. So let's go back to the Old Testament days in which John was very familiar with. Allow me to do some background, uh, background search of Moab. His name means of his father. He was the son of Lot's eldest daughter, the forefather of the Moabites. Now, in Numbers chapter 25, we read that Moab seduced Israel to idolatry and purity and hired Balaam to curse Israel, that they were excluded from Yahweh's congregation to the 10th generation, as we read there in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. Now, the Old Testament Hebrews fought often with neighbors, but Moab was never an essential threat to Israel in the way Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon were. Despite being called the abomination of Moab, you get the sense that Chemosh was a second-tier deity playing on an infernal, infernal realm junior varsity team. He has mentioned only eight verses in the entire Bible, by the way. The little-known god of Moab was worshipped alongside Reshef and Dagon and Ebla, an ancient city that was first regional power in northern Syria, emerging around or shortly after 3000 BC. Now, northern Syria, also keeping the fact Mount Hermon, to those that understand where I'm going, Mount Hermon. Their Chemosh was spelled Kamish, and he was one of the most important deities in what was the most powerful kingdom in the living at that time. Text between 24 BC and 22 BC so that Kamish or Chemosh was one of the six deities for which the month was named. We got the Feast of Dagon, that was the first month. The Feast of Ashtabah, Harun, named for the war god Athur, male aspect of Ishtar. The second month, we got the Feast of Hadad, or Baal, the storm god, the third month. We got the Feast of Adama, the goddess consort of Rishif, that's the ninth month. We got the Feast of Ishtar, the eleventh month. And then we got the Feast of Kamish, or Kamosh, then the twelfth month. Now, I find it interesting. Isn't it interesting that today the names of our months are also taken from pagan deities? We also note that the Ebla texts record dealings with the ancient city of Karkimish, about 60 miles northeast of Alpio, on the modern border between Syria and Turkey. The name of the city means port or market of Kamish, that deity. It's mentioned several times in the Bible, and the site was the key battle between Egypt and Babylon in 605 B.C. The takeaway is that the war god Chemosh was worshipped for about a thousand years before Moab was founded by the oldest son of Abraham's nephew, Lot. Also, during this period, there was another pagan god that was being worshipped. Moloch, the fire god. Moloch was the guardian deity of the children of Ammon and essentially identical with the Mobidish Chemosh. 
Fire gods appear to have been common to all the Canaanite, Syrian, Arab tribes who worshipped the destructive element under an outward symbol with the most inhuman rites. According to Jewish tradition, the image of Moloch was a brass hollow within and was situated without Jerusalem. His face was that of a calf, maybe an ox, and his hands stretched forth like a man who opened his hands to receive something of his neighbor. They kindled it with fire. The priest took the babe and put it in the hands of Moloch, and the babe gave up the ghost, sacrificing. Many instances of human sacrifices are found in, in the ancient writers, which may be compared with the description of the Old Testament of the manner in which Moloch was worshipped. Moloch was the lord and master of the Ammonites. Their country was his possession, as we read there in Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 1. As Moab was the heritage of Chemosh, the princes of the land were the princes of Malcolm. As you read there in Jeremiah 49, 3 and Amos chapter 1. The priests of men were a rank, taking precedence of the princes. The priests of Moloch, like those of other idols, were called Kermirim. Now, I want to ask you something. Have you ever heard of the Bohemian Grove? Have you ever heard of me speak about the Bohemian Grove? I remember, was it during the, the, the rapture doctrine? I actually wrote uh, uh, read to you what is spoken of that 42-foot owl, by the way, on the front of your $1 bill in the upper right-hand corner. There's a picture of an owl. You see, folks, the rider of the red horse is already in existence. These pagan gods that John witnessed in his days are still alive today. Moloch. We just had a big ruling right here in the United States of America. The Supreme Court on abortions. The sacrificing of babies to Moloch. That's all it is. This is sad, folks. You want to hear an awesome testimony? Check out, I believe his name is Zachariah King. He was a Druid high priest. And the paganistic rituals that he did in every state across this world. He was even up to the Bohemian Grove doing this ritual where they take a baby and they sacrifice it. Folks, this is a reality. This red horse sent forth by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Lamb, he sent it out not only to destroy the enemies, but you see now the enemies are fighting each other. We got Russia invading Ukraine. The United States ain't going to do nothing. They're going to take your tax money. I talked about Ukraine. Ukraine is like the number two or number three nation of the world for homosexuality. You want number you you know number one that when I talk about I'm talking about per capita. Israel. United States. Then then you go to Ukraine. Ukraine is corrupt. I read to you uh, in prior studies, right from Wikipedia, how corrupt Ukraine is. And then we got this bumbling lunatic taking our tax dollars that you and I will be paying on, our children, our grandchildren. Why do you think Russia and China, Brazil, they're teaming up with the Muslims? The cult of Chemosh isn't well known by scholars because there haven't been many texts recovered from ancient Moab. Most of what we know about the, about the God comes from two sources, Bible and the Misha Stel, also known as the Moabite stone. Misha was the king of Moab in the time of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and, and of Ahab's son, Joram, king of Israel, around 850 B.C. Moab had been conquered by David more than a century earlier 
but the Moabites recovered their independence while Israel was preoccupied with the rebellion of the northern tribes following the death of Solomon. Israel's king Omri reconquered northern Moab and had been under Israel's control for several decades by the time of Mesha's rebellion. In 2 Kings chapter 3, in the Moabite stone, the stele, discovered by Sir Charles Warren, by the way, Sir Charles Warren of the Jack the Ripper investigations, record different aspects of this flight, both shed light on the character of Chemosh. The records agree that while the coalition of Israel, Judah, and Edom routed Meshach and his army, forcing them to take refuge of his capital city of Kar Hasheroth, they did not succeed in stripping Moab of its independence. On his memorial stone, Meshach de described instructions he was given by his patron God. And the men of Gad lived in the land of Ataroth from the ancient times. And the king of Israel built Ataroth for himself, fought against the city I captured. I killed all the people from the city as a sacrifice for Chemosh and for Moab. And Chemosh said to me, go, take Nebo from Israel. Now, listen very carefully. Go take Nebo from Israel. I went in the night. I fought against it from the break of dawn until noon. I took it. I killed it with the whole population. 7,000 male citizens and aliens, female citizens and aliens, servant girls. For I had put it to the band of Ashtar Chemosh. And from there I took the vessels of Yahweh and I hauled them before the face of Chemosh. This is his war god. He's coming after those that refuse to worship the king of king and the lord of lord. This account of the slaughter of Nebo was probably at or near the place where Moses got his only look at the promised land. It's similar to the treatment given by Joshua and the Israelites to the Amorite cities, declaring they were under the ban. When, king, when the king of Moab saw that the battle was going against him, he took with him 700 swordsmen to break through opposite the king of Edom, but they could not. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in his place, and offered him for a burnt offering on the wall. This makes it pretty clear that Chemosh Moloch accepted child sacrifice. This horrific practice was well known in the ancient Near East. Inscriptions from the Egyptian temples, commemorating military victories, confirmed the rituals of child sacrifice like this were not uncommon in exactly situation described in the Bible. This shouldn't be a surprise to us today, for we talk of the dark elite practice, the practice of child sacrifice at the Bohemian Grove. So we see this war god. This war god. I talked about Nebo. Now, one thing about Mount Nebo, I believe it was David Flynn. In his extensive research, talking about the Ark of the Covenant, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. When he unraveled the scriptures, he said that the Ark of the Covenant was taken over to the caves in Mount Nebo. Is this why we look at the fact they tried to, the, uh, to defeat their Nebo, to look for this Ark of the Covenant? It's interesting. Truly, it's interesting when you, get, when you get into the depths of it. When you start unraveling, you, you look around. Now, this war god of the red horse, this Kamash, heirs, matter of fact, Mars to the Romans, wasn't a pleasant god to have around. In the Greco-Roman form, he embodied the unrestrained, destructive aspect of war. The mindless shedding of blood for his own sake. In other words, the character of heirs, Mars, was very much like the bloodthirsty war goddess Anat 
of the Canaanites and Ishtar of Babylon and Sumer. This is consistent with the image of Moab's king Misha slaughtering his own son in the midst of the battle in full view of all to appease the bloodthirsty God. You see, folks, it's going to get so bad in here. Upon, especially in Israel, because they truly denounced, they, they rejected Yahweh. They're, they're Kabbalists. Jerry Kushner. Uh, there's, a, there's a good book that I'm reading. It talks about the rebuilding of the third temple and what's, what's happening in the history of it. This is a reality, folks. We've got to quit playing church. There are souls. Souls need to be saved. We need to wake these the, the, the Christian, Christians that really do have a desire. We need to wake them up. Expose them to what's happening. So we see that Chemosh did not disappear. He simply did what other deities of the ancient world have done for thousands of years. He changed his identity. He's been known to the world for the last 2,000 years as the god of the red planet, Mars. Why is it that, that our Nassau, the Apollo, is so interesting to get to Mars, the red planet? In Bad Moon Rising, Derek Gilbert argues that the war god Chemosh, Ayers, Mars, Aftar, or the spirit manifesting as war god, has played a key role in the history of the world. Archaeologists say that the earliest evidence of the large-scale organized warfare is at the ancient city of Hamukar in the far northeastern Syria, dated about 3500 BC. This was during the time that Mesopotamia was dominated by Uruk, the city of the heart of the kingdom Nimrod. The city was sacred to the gender-fluid, bloodthirsty god, goddess Inanna Ishtar. Easter, whose male war uh, god aspect, Athtar, was still worshipped by the tribes of Arabia for 4,000 years later in the days of Muhammad. This destructive martial spirit has influenced humanity for, for the millennia, while religious differences have been used to justify violent conflicts throughout the history. Only one major religion called on the followers to spread their faith through violence. At the rate of the current growth, Islam will be the world's largest religion by 2070. In scripture, there's no clearly defined role for Islam. Once again, I refer you to Derek Gilbert's book, Bad Moon Rising, for details of my proposal for the prophetic timeline. But in brief, I believe things end badly for Muslims. Islam will be sacrificed by the principalities and powers behind it to dope Israel and the Christians into accepting the Antichrist as Messiah in the flesh. Now this is pure speculative as much of end times prophecy, but the destruction of Islam as a poise seems the most plausible scenario we can imagine the Lord Jews and the welcoming and worshiping the Antichrist. Keep in mind that behind the scenes... As Trump, do you, do you know that when Trump was in office, that the rabbis of the uh, Temple Institute actually made coins? On one side of the coin, they had Cyrus. On the other side of the coin, they had Donald Trump. They knew that Trump was going to be the next Cyrus and deliver the Temple, the Temple Mount, back to Israel. But see. The Arab nations of the world, they control that spot. Do you know that the that the, uh, the Israelites, the Jews are not allowed to go up to the Temple Mount? They can walk by, they, they can stop and look and stuff, but they can't worship there. It's forbidden for them to worship there. I tell you this because something major has to happen in order to get that temple built. Something, this red horse. Folks, we ain't seen nothing yet. If you think you can't handle the day, you're not going to be able to handle tomorrow. This is why it's so important 
that we stay focused with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Keep in mind, sadly, there, for those who follow the teaching of Muhammad, there's nothing more to the war god and his colleagues that use than useful idiots. The greatest service Muslims can render to this God is to die and to draw Yahweh's chosen people and to welcome the false Christ as their Messiah. That's what that's what's happening. You see, these young people, and take notice, it's always the young people. The insurrections are always done because they're the most manipulated. Especially in this age, in this generation, where the young people, the majority of young people, they no longer have biblical values, biblical views. They're taught. I, I, I see it in the school systems. You know, I'm in an elementary school, and, and I see it. I see it happening. Each each year it's getting worse and worse. And even, even our leaders, our district leaders, our district leaders claim to be claim to be children of Yeshua Messiah. They claim to be Christians, but but they allow this this paganistic ritual stuff. It it said, and the, and the parents they're they're just as guilty too. You see this red horse, he's done his job. Remember that I told you that Esau is communist countries. Look at the direction this nation's going into. Socialism, communism. And remember I told you it married into the bloodline of Ishmael, those Arab countries. Keep in mind that they despise anyone that is associated with Yeshua Messiah. That includes this second beast, which represents the ox, which according to Numbers chapter 2 represents Ephraim, which according to history represents the great United States of America. This is what it's all about, folks. As, I, as we go through these seals and we look at each one in depth and realize what's happening and see that these, these seals are, are living amongst us today. When you study the book of Revelation, don't, don't overlook these things. And there went out another horse that was red. See, if you were, if the Holy Spirit was guiding you, it would automatically direct you to Esau. You remember that back there, Jacob and Esau? And the Lord said that, that I, I, I hated Esau, even in the womb. Now, now think about this. Here we got these lunatics out there. They're promoting abortion. But Yahweh says, I knew you in the womb. Esau, I hated. Jacob, I loved. How did he know that? Think about it. What did Esau do? You read that in Revelation and Genesis there? Sold his birthright. Sold his birthright. He wants it back. Think about it. He wants it back. All the lands, when you followed Jacob, which became Israel. You, read, you think about it. He wants back what was rightly his. This is what the Middle East is all about. It has to do with the birthright. Oh, yeah, then, then you got these bumbling TV evangelists, these Zionists out there, these, these uh, interdenominational churches where, where they can find, uh, 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 what's the word I want to say, where, uh, an equal like, uh, well, we, we got to find a common denominator. We got to find a common denominator. The common denominator is Abraham. You see, the three main religions all go back to Abraham. That's what they're going to go on, Abraham. But see, Esau wants his land back, he wants his territory. And we see here that the Lord. And when he had opened up the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out, there went out from heaven, another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth and that they should kill one another. 
and there was given unto him a great sword. Folks, I hope you're wiser than the serpent. I hope that you read and study your Bible each and every day. As I close out this morning, I want you to listen to hear Isaiah, the salvation of Yah. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I, Yahweh, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. Once again, multiple promises reveal Yahweh's plan and guarantee his purposes. These promises are actually being made from Yahweh the Father to his Messiah, the anointed king, who is Yahweh, the Son. The promises show that the Messiah would be the new covenant of grace for his people. In the opening words, the Father is describing the call of his Messiah, later referred to as my servant, there in Isaiah 49.6. I, Yahweh, have called you in righteousness. Also, the Father is promising full participation in the Messiah's mission. I, Yahweh, will hold your hand. I will keep you. You see, folks, this would be essential. Because the Messiah would go forth as a humble, dependent servant, my servant. Taken the form of a servant, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. As Paul writes here in Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. Then the Father offers this great promise of the Messiah's primary role in going forth to the earth. I will give you as a covenant to the people. Yeshua Messiah himself will be given to Yahweh's people as his new covenant with them. The new covenant of grace was supplanted the old covenant law. Yet it was not just a matter of new terms being prescribed. Rather, a person was being given. He himself would be the sum and the substance of the covenant. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and of truth. There in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. This new covenant of grace that Yahweh has for his people is all related to a person, the Lord Yeshua Messiah. He himself is the embodiment of all that the new covenant promises. In the new covenant, the Lord promises righteousness. This righteousness is found in a person. Behold, the days are coming, saith Yahweh, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper, execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved. Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called. Yahweh our righteousness. Jeremiah chapter 23 verses 5 and 6. Peace, listen to me now. Peace is promised in this covenant of grace. This peace is also found in a person. But now when Yeshua Messiah who you once were far off, having been made clear by the blood of the Messiah. For he himself is our peace. As Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. Yes, all that the Lord promises by grace is entered into initially and continually by a humble, dependent relationship with the Lord Yeshua Messiah. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you for your grace. I rejoice that the provisions of grace are not about the performance or procedure, but about developing a relationship with your Son, Yeshua Messiah. Lord, 
As I read this this morning, there what Paul writes there in Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace. He is our peace. And I read here, as we're under this red seal, and power was given him that set there on to take peace from the earth. You see, Father, this is a spiritual battle. This is what we must realize. We must realize what Paul writes as the Holy Spirit guided and directed Paul. As Paul writes to those Ephesians there, for he himself is our peace. Lord, we realize that the world hates you. It despises you. But Father, we will continue to preach the gospel of Yeshua Messiah, learning people that he is our peace. But now when Yeshua Messiah, who you once were far off, have been made near by the blood of the Messiah, for he himself is our peace. Oh, Lord Almighty, how beautiful is that? For he is our peace. Father, as we come into our July 4th, our Independence Day, we must look to you, Father, for you are the giver of our independence. Father, this nation was founded on your principalities, on your principles, on your calling, Lord. But we as a nation, we have gotten away from that, Lord. We have fallen away from your truth, Lord. So now we look for another independence. The independence of Yeshua Messiah, King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, we know we, will, we continue to stay within him. We rest in him. We Sabbath in him. For he is our peace. And Lord, as we have our gospel armor on, no matter how sad this, this red horse comes upon us, we know for a surety that we are sealed by the covenant of grace of you, Father. And we thank you so much for that. Father, I continue to pray for the listeners out there whether radio, internet, or the podcast. I pray for their spiritual needs and their flesh needs. Lord, we are coming into a time of despair, and I just ask in the name of Yeshua Messiah that you bless each and every one of them this morning that are listening. Father, I ask all of this in the precious name of Yeshua Messiah. Amen. Amen.